Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. I was, you know, craving baseball. I was, I was fiending for it, you know, like um, just, you know, doing what I, what I could in the offseason, you know, enjoying all my family time. Um, doing everything I could physically and mentally to, to stay ready for when the moment came. And, um, you know, this was my first official day today. And, um, you know, it just feels, it feels really good and um, beyond excited to get going. Cody Bellinger, he's back. And now it slots some other people in some other places at positions and in the batting order and on the roster and here to talk about all things Chicago Cubs is Lance Brozdowski. He is on Twitter at Lance Braz, the player development analyst for Marquee Sports Network with us on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline. Download the Circa Sports app today, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Lance, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. So what is the belly re-signing do first and foremost in your eyes? What are the most immediate effects on the Cubs? I think the most immediate effect is is probably decreasing the probability a guy like P. Carl Armstrong breaks camp with the team. Maybe that's not everyone's uh, immediate response to thinking about it, but I do feel like Pete was pretty much slotted in as the opening day-ish center fielder of some sort, or at least having maybe a slightly bigger role from the jump of the season. And I think by adding Bellinger, you kind of mitigate the pressure you have to put on him to perform, which is maybe what they want to do. You know, he's had a lot of discussions with Dustin Kelly this offseason, it sounds, in terms of reworking his swing, understanding the top of the zone specifically, where if you watched any of the Brewers games late in the year, he kind of got beat up to some extent. But, I mean, you know, there's old, there's a variety of sayings. This is like how many at-bats and plate appearances a guy needs before you actually understand who they are as a hitter at the major league level. And I'll just say Pete is so far away from that that we're really starting to – still uncover who he is as a hitter. We know who he is as a defender. And I wouldn't be surprised if some more polishing time at AAA um, really kind of helps him make the leap and become at least a league average hitter. Yeah, because if, if they can, because of what he can do defensively, that that's something too. But I, but I am wondering about his development as a defensive player. He made some spectacular plays last year when given an opportunity. He also made some mistakes on some routine plays. So how did the... How do the Cubs go about saying, man, we know you can do all the crazy stuff. Want you to be more consistent with the easier stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I, I talked to, I had an interview with Pete last year. I want to say it was maybe July or August, one of those two months. And I was actually kind of surprised. We were talking defense and he said that he didn't think he was playing his best defensively. And I, I thought that was a bit surprising because I think no matter any, he's one of the few things where 
when you are watching a game, whether it be live or on television, it's very easy to see that he's exceptionally good at one thing, which is defense. I think a lot of the times it's sometimes difficult for people to realize, you know, you watch a game, you watch four at bats of a guy and, and someone's like, he has elite bat speed. And it's like, well, maybe he goes one for four or one for three with a walk, swings the bat two times and you come out of it and you're like, I'm not entirely sure if I understand what like elite bat speed looks like in a player. But I think anyone who watches Pete in any sense, whether it be a crazy player or a more routine play, you immediately realize how good he is as a defender. So to me, it was it took me aback when he said he was that honest with himself to say, I didn't think I was playing my best defensively last year. And, you know, I don't think he really ever got – he never really gave me an answer as to, like, what was different. I wonder if it was just a mindset thing with him. You know, maybe there was just pressure of knowing at some point he was going to be called up and have to perform. In the mental side, I think, of baseball is something that can seep into performance, and we really don't talk about it. It's much easier to talk about it the direct tangible things we see on the field at times. And it's, it's harder to be like, you know, maybe he, maybe he's just thinking too much, you know, like he's been a guy that's so reactionary um, that perhaps he was just thinking too much. So in terms of how you get a guy to be more consistent with routine plays, I, I, I don't necessarily know. I don't think him taking 10% more reps in spring training in center field is really going to get him there. Like he is an elite defender. I wonder whether it's just kind of stitching it all together, understanding that, you know, maybe there's a little more pressure off me this year. I already saw Major League Tom. I don't need to go up and prove to Ross and others that I am the player and you need to play me every day. Now I have counsel who maybe treats younger players a little bit differently. So I wonder if it's just kind of just understanding his place on the roster and understanding that they're committed to him long term and taking a little bit of that pressure off that, you know, I need to perform right now. We fixate on the 26, on breaking camp with the team, heading north <laughs> and all that. But the truth is that a lot really good teams are going to have some roster churn. And when I hear Jed talk, I hear about pride in the 40-man roster and and having major league ready talent or at least major league complementary talent available. Based on what you know about where the options are and where the flexibility is, how much churn should we expect? Because we we have this feeling that good teams aren't necessarily reliant on the minors, where that that idea is changing, that paradigm is shifting a little bit. Is this going to be a little bit more dynamic use of the roster? It's a it's a great question. I think one of the things that I always think about, and this is maybe a little bit more of like executive talk, so to speak, and thinking in this direction, but I always I don't want to say I'm skeptical, but I'm always very curious to watch when you have a GM or a high-level baseball executive move to an organization with a higher payroll, assumed payroll, from an organization where development and I I guess you could call it budget crunching is a thing. And that's the reality is that's where Carter Hawkins came from. The Guardians are a team that loads up on 40-man guys, really good at developing Velo in the minors. And then they trade away players when they get too expensive. They, they've done that for, I don't want to say the entirety of their history, but probably the entire 10-year Carter Hawkins was there. Now he comes to the Cubs where the payroll is $150 million higher or whatever. And I, I always wonder like how you kind of change who you are as like a roster builder, given those implications, given the implication that you now can spend more money. I think of the same situation in David Stearns going from Milwaukee to the Mets. I'm very curious to see how he builds out that team, that balance between you have young guys that you could have under team control and pay very little money relative to the performance that they could have and the impact, impact, excuse me, 
they could have on the field. So that is something I think about a lot. It's like, how do you balance that, right? You add players through free agency that are higher dollar, and then you have other players who are coming up through the minors. Like, you know, Owen Casey is a great example. They go out and trade for Michael Bush. I think personally, Owen Casey is a first baseman long term. So you go out and trade for Michael Bush, really good player, that he comes from an organization that didn't have a spot for him. Mm-hmm. And he's a consensus top 50 prospect who absolutely mashed the AAA. Good teams that are good at developing talent in the minor leagues run into these crunch situations. And a lot of the time, if you're trying to compete as the Dodgers are, and as some of these other teams are, you kind of just have guys that you don't know what to do with. And I think that we're going to, if things go well for the Cubs, that is will be the conversations we're having in the next couple of years is like the wondering of like, this guy's good. We just have nowhere to play him. Like Nelson Velasquez is a great example. Like he's going to probably get 150 games in center field, maybe with the Royals this year. And he's got an above average barrel rate. It's like, I almost wonder like he, he would look pretty good on this team right now. You know what I mean? But there's nowhere to play him. Like, and you have other guys in the minors like Casey, who will probably start as an outfield before moving to first base, I think personally. And then Kevin O'Connor is another guy who's definitely going to stay in the outfield. And these guys are coming through, and it's like you you run into these situations where a guy, the timing of a, having a really good talent on your team just doesn't really work. So I, I'm not expecting a ton of churn on the main cornerstone pieces of the roster, I would say, this year, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. And I do think that when you have a Matt Shaw or a Noah Casey or someone else pop in the minors, you have to almost find a spot for them, you know? And I think, obviously, the big thing right now is third base. Um does Morel stay there throughout the entirety of the season? Do we see him play 130 games as what, the at least what do you average think? defender? You know? What do you think? If what do that? I think? I think at the end of the uh, – do I go hot take here? I don't know. How hot are we Where, however you feel. I think, <laughs> I think by September, Matt Shaw will probably play, be playing some third base for the Chicago Cubs. That's not really an indictment on Christopher Morel. I think it's more – what is the best team if this team is in contention? And I think adding Matt Shaw to this lineup, if he performs as he did in the minor leagues, is is exactly what you – that's how you make your team even better with a late-season call-up, right? Especially, again, if there's no injuries, et cetera, we'll assume no injuries. But I really think a guy like Matt Shaw adding that bat to the lineup and not putting the pressure on him to be a top-six hitter would be really dynamic late in the year as like a boost to the offense. So that's what I'll say. Again, not an indictment of Morel. I think he'll actually play a reasonable third base. It might just be a matter of what is the best team that we could put on the field from an offensive and defensive standpoint. And perhaps that's kind of PCA center shot third, Morel, DHing, maybe mixed in with Bush. Like there's again, you see already as I go through this calculus, you're you're squeezing out a player or two. So I, I'm I'm fascinated to kind of see what they do with a guy like Matt Shaw. What do you think Morell needs to work on to solidify playing okay enough third base? It's really just a consistency thing, right? Like we saw throws last year that were kind of all over the map. And that's another thing that's tough because it's it's a rep, it's not even like a reps thing. Like I, again, I'm not sure if taking 10 to 20% more reps at third base really makes you that dramatically better of a defender. Maybe it's more changing something fundamentally, which I haven't really had a chance to talk to him or any of the defensive coaches to understand if they're really trying to change something in particular. I mean, he's made some nice plays in spring, going to his left, diving in the hole, made a nice play. Like, his range is good. He's a freakishly athletic guy. So I, I'm I'm not concerned about that. I'm more concerned about these blips that are like, you know, man on third, two outs, chopper to him, he runs in, and then he throws the ball away, the run scores. It's like that, I think, is going to stand out. Defensive stuff is very hard to value, I think, from the analytics standpoint, because you see an instance like that, And you go, okay, that had an immediate impact on run scoring. Whereas like the accumulation of him making other smaller plays 
is like that's really valuable so it's like how many maybe of those blip kind of throwaway inconsistency of arm situations we have relative to how many plays he makes consistently that's kind of your balance that's what i think the calculus has to be looking two months into the season seeing how he is from a defensive standpoint worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Tell me if I made a good bet or a bad bet just (laughs) in the last hour. Because I was considering the difference between the first half and the second half. I bet Lawrence that Jamison Tyone would have a Fangraphs wins above replacement number of two or higher this year. Okay, that's an interesting bet. I haven't really looked too much. Like, Tyone's funny. Like, he was the big talk last offseason, and I can't say I, like, have really thought about him too much in the offseason because we're so – I'm fascinated to see what Imanaga looks like on Saturday, you know, and and the rest of his spring starts and see if he can really kind of solidify as, like, a three or a four or where – kind of the range of outcomes is there. I think he has the biggest range of outcomes in the rotation. I I think that's a good bet. Um, I, again, health is always really hard to factor in with starting mm-hmm. pitching. Uh, Tyone's been a guy that's been, I think, 140 plus for each of the last three seasons. And I think in one of one of the, one or two of those years, he was probably above two war from the fan crap, fan graphs perspective. So I think I like that bet. I think the okay. one thing in understanding how fan graphs was calculated is like, it really values strikeouts it's basically looking at strikeouts, walks, and homers and distilling that into like an expected earned run metric, which is what we know as FIP. And then FIP becomes the driver of Fangraph's war. So Tyone doesn't strike out a ton of guys. So he's going to have to limit home runs and limit walks in order for you to kind of hit that bet through 160 innings. It would be my analysis of it. And I think okay. he will. I think that he's a guy who suppresses home run contact quality pretty well with his cutter. Um, and he's always been a good control guy. So 
you, that blip he had at the beginning of last year, if that just evens out in his more league average performance, he should you should get right right at two to two point five WAR. I would say. All right, well then you're going to owe me a dollar too when it doesn't happen. Deal. Um, all right, <laughs> it was only a dollar. Come on. Yeah, we we we, we do the, the the trading places Mortimer bet. That's what we do. We bet got a it, dollar, okay. a crisp dollar. What's what's fair to expect from Michael Bush? I think it's fair to expect above the average offensive performance from him. You know, like you think of like kind of a nerdy stat, like a way to runs created plus, like what is your contribution to offensive production scale to 100 such that something that's say 15, 115 is 15% above the league average. I think you have to expect him to be like a 115 to 125 player. You know, he's really good OBP. It's good power. He's not going to strike out a lot. Um, I think there's probably 20 homer pop in there. We'll see if that grows over time. The calling card in him has always been that he can hit, and he runs in the same situation I was talking about with PCA earlier. Is we need a bigger sample of these guys at the major league level to understand who they are as offensive talents. Um, and he just ran into a poor situation where they couldn't really find a defensive fit. You know, the Dodgers couldn't really give him the time to kind of even out and figure out who he was as a hitter. They're crunched, so they trade him for Jackson Ferris, who's a really an arm that I really like, but doesn't need to be on the forty man roster, and they can wait another two and a half, three years before they have to do that in LA. So. Yeah, I think I think it's a, I think it's totally fine to be bullish on his offense. I think the question more so, you know, talking to some Dodger people about him, he wasn't really ever a good defender, and I don't think that I think that maybe was perhaps the main problem is the Dodgers understanding that at some point maybe some of their guys age out to that DH position or first base position, and I just had struggled to see how a guy like Bush, and I think they struggled to see how, how a guy like Bush would eventually fit into that situation. So we'll see. Like de- defensive value changes depending on where you are in the diamond right up the middle is really important as you get to the corners it becomes less important first base defense we saw you know anthony rizzo in the past was really valuable but for the most part it doesn't have a massive impact on the game relative to the other positions other people might tell you otherwise i'm just kind of communicating what the numbers say there so i think even if he's like a below average league defender defender at first base it's okay but I, I think it's totally fine to be a little bullish on the offensive production. It's going to be driven by a really good approach at the plate and, and good batted ball quality metrics. So I'm I'm totally fine saying he's like a 20% above average hitter. You said that you were looking forward to watching Imanaga. What, what exactly are you trying to find out in this start? Fastball location. Um, when you look at back at WBC and even some of his MPB data, the MPB is a very different way of approaching pitching. They really like pitching down in the zone. He's got what you'd call like a high carry fastball. It's It's got that vertical movement, that ride, that resistance to gravity that works really well up in the zone. And if you look at any of his heat maps, he pitched down a lot. He, he would go for these like strikes down, strikes away, strikes inside. And he'd kind of elevate at times. I want him elevating early in count. I want the ability for that vertical movement to play best at the top of the zone. Now there's a point at which you can get so advanced as a pitcher that you start then pitch, throwing pitches below the zone that then rise into the zone for called strikes. You know, you think of that idea of like, okay, top of the zone, carry fastball, it's going to stay above well, the Well, it like, doesn't really rise. Exactly. I mean, you're not with, throwing a wiffle gravity. ball. Yeah. Exactly. It drops less right. than you would expect. Maybe that's the way to put yes. it, right? Drops less than you would expect. So if you apply that same logic to the bottom of the strike zone, right, you could maybe as a hitter see a ball visually coming in below your knees and then it kicks up ever so slightly. It drops less than you would expect and ends up in the zone. This is something that Walker Buehler talked about a lot, the Dodgers, in terms of he has a carry fastball put down in the zone. So I, I like that idea of eventually going to that point, but I think he's a guy that they really need to get up in the zone and have everything work off that. So I'm watching, you know, whoever's catching him, where they set up, how consistently is he able to kind of make that adjustment to elevate the fastball? Lance, man, you you do a great job. And I, I told Thank you. 
I told Dan earlier, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand it. Like, you and Kamka at the same place? Like, this is going to be <laughs> – you talk about – It's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, yeah. we got to be super I, smart by the end of the baseball season. I, I'll get a nugget there. I ran into Chris the other day and introduced myself first time meeting him. Of course, I followed him on Twitter, which is always funny when you're like, oh, I, I followed you on Twitter. I didn't even know. But, um, but yeah, I ran into him, and, you know, the first thing I asked him was, what data sources do you use for baseball analysis, which I think encapsulates – who I am as a person, who Chris is as a person. We had a really good conversation for like two minutes on on that topic, saying what resources we use. So You're talking about Savant and Codify and and uh, Stathead, all these other things. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious what he used. Well, so it was it was a fun combo. My standard for broadcasting, particularly baseball broadcasting, is a fairly low one. Where I say, especially at the national level, just don't make people dumber. I think yeah, it is like it that. is it's industry. It should be industry standard to do the do it the way you do it. Where you actively make us smarter. So I appreciate that a lot. I, I, think, I think that's awesome. Thanks, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. That is Lance Brozdowski. I'm a big fan of his. Yeah, you'll you'll hear him as much as we can have him on in baseball yeah, season. As, as much as he would like to be on this stupid radio show. He knows stuff and explains stuff in a way that's easily understandable. That's right. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.